0: All right, well good afternoon again. A um, couple of things to mention by announcements if you weren't here at the beginning. The men's book group is Thursday, not Wednesday. The bulletin is a lie. So Thursday not Wednesday at seven o'clock at our house. And then also after church, I think a groups going to go to BK tacos uh, on I think it's on first or stone. Your, your phone knows where it is. So BK tacos afterwards if you're interested. Love to have you. So, we're going to be in the ninth commandment tonight, uh, drawing near to the end. We didn't make it before Easter, uh, but we'll finish soon after Easter on the Ten Commandments. But the ninth commandment is that you shall not bear false witness. It's a commandment about the truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. What's the next line? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth, which is a fairly decent way of summarizing the Bible's uh, teaching about truth and lies and other people's reputations in our hands. Um, It sounds like a simple commandment, an easy one. We tell it to our children and expect them to be able to keep it. Don't lie. Lying is wrong. Lying gets you in trouble. Don't lie. And it winds up... as a lifelong problem for all of us to deal with what does it mean to tell the truth? Uh, what does it mean to love our neighbor with regard to the truth and their reputation? And so like most of the commandments, there's a lot more to it than is right on the surface of it. And they're the things that show us how broken we are on one hand, but also how able Jesus is to help people like us on the other. And so we're going to see what Jesus Uh, can do to help liars tonight. And so, if you're not offended, let's pray, and then I'll read the scripture. Father, we ask that you would um, give us hope as you expose us by your law. We would love to have open hearts and open minds before you so that we might hear what you'd say to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, read with me. This is uh, Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So all the Ten Commandments, most of them are negatively stated. You know, one, honor your father and mother is positive and remember the Sabbath. But most of them are thou shalt not. And there's always a positive inverse to that. So if you say you shall not kill, you're obligated positively to protect your neighbor's life. And when you say you shall not commit adultery, you're obligated positively to protect your neighbor's family. Uh, you shall not steal. You're obligated to protect your neighbor's property. False witness, don't do that. You're obligated to protect your neighbor's reputation, to keep the law of love with regard to other people's reputation, that you care and protect their reputation as eagerly as you do your own reputation. Uh which, if you think about it for long, uh, makes this sound like a lot more difficult command to keep than just trying not to tell overt, bald faced lies. All right? Caring as much about your neighbor's reputation as you do your own, speaking as carefully about your neighbor as you do about yourself, that's a dramatic law. But we read in both of the, the, uh, the New Testament gospel readings that doing unto others as you'd have them do to you uh, is the way that the law is kept. So with regard to reputation, we have to care about other people and love them well, which is very demanding. Let's look at a couple of things that the Ninth Commandment requires and then talk about why it's uh, so hard for us. Uh, The first thing is the obvious thing, the one that you tell your children when you're telling them about the commandments, and that's lying. Don't lie. right? It's a bad idea for you to lie. And that is generally, almost all the time, true. Right, God is truthful. Uh, we're obligated as his creatures to speak what is true, not to lie. Uh, mostly because you can't have any kind of a relationship with other people in your life if you lie. Lies destroy and undermine any chance we have of living together with, with love and trust and enjoying each other. Uh, you know, if you're a parent and you tell your children, uh, you ask them something and they lie about it, you think, The lie is way worse than the sin, right? Did you brush your teeth already? Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) And you think, well, not brushing your teeth is a minor offense, right? Um, Lying is a major offense. Lying cuts at the trust and love of the relationship we have with each other. Not brushing your teeth is a small problem uh, relative to that, right? Because lying has that way of destroying the connection we have to each other. And so that's why it's important, and it comes out in a lot of different ways. You could add to this list, I'm sure, but um, perjury is one of the things that is forbidden by this law. It's stated in really courtroom terms. Bearing false witness is committing perjury. Um, But to lie there is not to love your neighbor. It's to uh, badly damage your neighbor if you lie about them in court. Uh, Lying on a resume, lying on a dating profile, Uh, These are things forbidden by the commandment. Lying to clients to close a sale or to solve a problem with clients. It's a hardware problem. It's a software problem. It's a hardware problem. It's a software problem. (laughs) You know, uh, no one takes responsibility uh, for what they do. Spin. Just the curation of your life and the way that you say things about yourself uh, attacks your neighbor and the trust relationship you have with your neighbor when what you say about yourself, how you present yourself, isn't true. All right. It's a damaging thing relationally. David, do the police ever have anyone tell them the truth? I mean, it's a temptation of that job to be a cynic because you never expect people to speak the truth to you. If someone advertises their business as Ed's honest plumbing, do you expect Ed to be honest? I mean, why is Ed saying that about his plumbing store? <laughs> he already seems to think there's doubt. And uh, so I'm not so sure, right? We, we deal with worries about lying all the time. Um, political ads. Do you ever expect a political ad to tell you the truth not only about the candidate but about the opponent? It would, it would just seem like a foolish ad. Right? We'd say that's someone who doesn't know how to do it because we expect people to lie. And we accept people's lies. In movies, what do people say when they fall in love? I promise I'll never lie to you. And you think, wow, if if the basis of your relationship is that this person is going to keep God's law completely all the time with regard to you, then you have really high hopes about marriage. (laughs) Um, This is unlikely to be true, but it's commonly said. I'll never lie to you. Uh, Politicians, I've heard a politician this week say that. I promise I will never lie to you. And I think you, you either are very naive about the truth and about your own heart or you're already lying to me. So lying itself is a, the, a big part of this whole commandment. There are some exceptions. If you wonder, sometimes it's OK to lie. Um, kids, take, you know, make sure you hear the footnotes on this one. But um, there are situations when you can, you can lie in humor. Right. Uh, without failing to love your neighbor, um, you can uh, say things very diplomatically at times in ways that preserve uh, kindness in a relationship that aren't the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, Do you like my new haircut? You know, there, there's probably some gray area around there. But there are also times when to tell the truth would be to break the law of love with regard to your neighbor. When someone doesn't deserve the truth. You have a couple of examples of this in the Bible even. When uh, the Hebrew midwives were told that they had to uh, take the lives of the Hebrew babies as soon as they were born, the male babies. They lied about the vigor of the Hebrew women. And they were uh, honored by God for this because it would have been a violation of the law of love. To in some tidy, I never tell lies attitude to have uh, endangered the lives of these children. Rahab the harlot in the city of Jericho uh, at the beginning of the conquest um, lied about harboring the spies who were Hebrews uh, and protected their lives because the people who were asking the question did not have a right to the truth. And the law of love demanded that she not tell the truth but rather lie. So, kids, if you want to try to argue that you're in one of those cases with your parents, lots of luck. Um, I doubt that you are. But the law of love is the controlling filter through which we understand the particulars of God's law. And if we say in some uh, sensibility about ourselves and our own tidiness morally uh, that we can violate the law of love and just say, well, God will just take care of that. Uh, is uh, not mature Christian thinking about the truth. Uh, we're told to tell the truth in order to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's also extra trouble to talk about truth in our day when uh, a lot of people are deeply skeptical about truth itself, uh, who don't think there is any such thing as uh, knowable truth with a capital T. Um, I've noticed that people believe in truth more Uh, when the political party that disagrees with them is acting relativistic, right? (laughs) When your party says there's no truth, I say, hey, sure there is. But if my party says it, uh, it seems okay. Pontius Pilate, uh, I don't know if he had a party, but he kind of had this uh, skepticism about truth when he dealt with Jesus in his trial. And you remember his famous question, what is truth? Um, Which was said... As a dodge, in order to preserve himself and his own political power, and to do uh, deep injustice and harm to Jesus Christ, uh, but he lied for himself in that situation by expressing skepticism about the truth. If he went home and tried that with his wife, what is truth, honey? Hey, you know, their relationship is going to erode immediately. Because there's something intrinsic to being a human being and being in a relationship with someone else that requires truth, right? If we can't tell the truth, we can't trust each other. So that's one thing. Lying is forbidden by this commandment. But also uh, protecting our neighbor's reputation is required by this commandment, which is very hard to treat someone else's name like you do your own. Do you know who Richard Jewell is? Yeah. One. You probably do know him. He was... uh, He was a guy in the 1996 Olympics who was uh, accused of setting the bomb in the plaza at the Olympics. And his name was dragged through the press as uh, setting off this bomb. As it turns out, what he had done was discovered the bomb and had at great risk to himself, sounded the alarm and gotten people away from the bomb and saved people's lives thereby. But his entire life was defined and ruined because... People uh, leapt on the first rumor that came out about what had happened with that bomb. His whole life was ruined and changed by people saying, we think he's the suspect bomber. When I look at his Wikipedia page, it doesn't say that he went to Towers High School, which should be the most important thing about him, because that's my high school. Um, what it says is, you know, accused Olympic Park bomber. And a few sentences down, who didn't actually do it? Charles Spurgeon was a uh, pretty brilliant minister in England in uh, hundred and fifty years ago and uh, he was single when he came to Metropolitan tabernacle in London and his preaching was very popular the church became large and a rumor was uh, stated in a London newspaper that uh, there was kind of a swirl of lady suitors around Spurgeon that uh, he was kind of a, a flirt and a ladies man that and they put this in the paper that uh, there was even a Cinderella thing going on where women would come and leave a slipper at the front of the church, uh, hoping Spurgeon would find it and that, uh, fall in love with them. None of it was true in any way. But they put this in the London paper. And everyone, of course, believed it. And not only did everyone in London believe it, it was picked up on the International Wire Service. And so after a couple of months, the London paper printed a retraction of the story, saying it was baseless and not true at all. But the International Wire Service couldn't print a wire service retraction. So for the rest of his life, whenever he was traveling or interviewed by people from another country, they would continually bring this up and ask him about it as if they had believed it was true. His reputation, it's so fragile. Anybody can say anything. And almost everyone will believe it. Almost no one will fact check. The Bible says a reputation is uh, more valuable than silver or gold. A good name. More to be valued. And yet it's so, so fragile. You can steal someone's good name as easily as you can do anything. And the law of love requires us to be especially careful with people's reputations. And it required this before there was social media. So the temptation for you is far more severe than it has been for many Christians who've lived in the past. Uh, What you say about someone, what you retweet, what you post on a Facebook wall, does it keep the law of love with regard to your neighbor? Would you want to be treated the way that you're treating this person when you retweet uh, something about them? And it's tremendously difficult because you can do this anonymously and you can do it so quickly. Now, and it goes so far so fast now. What about with public figures? Is it okay to um, spread the name around to somebody who's in public life? Do you have to keep the law of love with someone who is in public life? Are you as responsible for AOC or Donald Trump's reputation as you are for your next door neighbor's reputation and what you say? I think there's a difference. Um, there is something about being in public life. Uh, you know, Even Jesus uh, was asked about Herod at one point, and he referred to Herod as a fox. He said, that, tell that fox such and such, which is not something you'd ever hear him say about someone else. There's something about public life that allows I mean, more conversation about somebody before it's gossip. And yet, the law of love is still intact. Right? Are we speaking about someone like we would want to be spoken of? Are we framing it in a way that gives them the loving benefit of the doubt that we would, we would want people to give us if they were talking about us? Um, I hope I didn't just kill the whole dinner conversation with that. But you know, these are the things that we're required to pay attention to because a good name is so important and so fragile. A gossip, a slander and libel, uh, which used to be uh, – it was always a problem in the journalism industry, right, even before um, – before the internet came around, and now no one has time to fact check, and so it's, it's the especially scrupulous journalist who cares about libel and slander laws and fact checking and, and thinking careful about what they say. Because if they don't say it, someone else is going to blast and blabber anything that comes out about someone all over the internet. So, love your neighbor to protect their reputation. And you can add other case law things to this about what telling the truth entails about scapegoating or insinuation about people. But you get the idea that to love your neighbor with regard to what you say about them is very difficult. Why is it so hard? You tell, you tell children not to lie like it's easy, right? Don't lie. And you think they should, they should be able to not lie. And yet none of us is able to not lie ask you this, why do addicts addicts lie? Because it's notorious that an addiction will turn someone into a liar in almost every case. Why do addicts lie? Well, they lie to defend their precious, for one thing, this, this thing that I'm relying on and hoping in. I want to protect that. I also want to cover the shame that I feel for being addicted to it, for the sacrifices I've made in order to serve my idol. And I want to lie because I don't want to admit the truth about myself to me or you about what I've become. Lie to convince myself that I really don't have such a problem with this idol. But the addict's experience is informative for us because lies are always symptomatic. Um, they're not the root sin. you always lie. To protect something or to serve something. There's an underlying uh, benefit that you're after that, that you lie for. Um, so lying always just on the surface. It's what, who did I think I needed to lie for? What did I think I needed to lie for? What was so important to me that I felt like I had to lie is the question, right? So sometimes we lie to avoid consequences. Um, it was like that when I found it, right? Right? That's, you, know, you lie so you won't get in trouble. I, I don't want to be in trouble. Uh, you lie to manipulate, to get what you want. When you call in sick, when you're not sick, um, you're lying because you want the time that you're going to win by telling that lie. You lie to impress people. The reason you spin when you talk about yourself or when you post things about yourself is that you want to impress people. It's the same reason that you lie by flattering all right. It's a deceit, deceitful motive. It's not a loving motive. I want something from you, your approval uh, or a promotion or whatever you have that you can offer me. And so I flatter you and I lie. Um, resentment and envy. I resent your success. And so I'll quickly spread a rumor that tears you down uh, because I feel envy. So what you ask yourself when you're lying is this. What am I lying for? Who am I lying for? What did I think was worth lying about? And then you start to get at the bottom of what's really going on in your heart. Because it's then that you can really start to deal with Jesus about lying. Because if you just think lying is a simple thing, and that honest people don't lie, and you're an honest person, you don't lie, and you're going to just keep telling yourself that, then you don't need Jesus. right? But if you understand that you don't love your neighbor from your heart, and you, it sure shows up when you talk about them, um, then you need help that you can't bring for yourself. You can't fix yourself in these ways. You need a supernatural deliverance. You need Jesus to rescue you from a lack of love and lying. Um, Aesop's fables won't change your heart. Everyone's heard the boy who cries wolf. That doesn't stop people from crying wolf, does it? Everyone knows what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive But that doesn't stop anybody from lying. Um, When you want to deal with Jesus about lying, you don't go to him and say, I'm sorry I lied. You go and you say, help me understand what I was willing to lie for. What's so important to me that I was willing to not love people, willing to break your commandment? What was so important to me? Help me understand that. What are my idols underneath that I'm serving like a slave and I can't quit? I'm so willing to lie for them. Help me understand that. And this is what Jesus does when he comes to us. He undercuts our idols. So we spend all the time because we want people to accept us. right? We curate our Facebook pages and our dating profiles and our resumes because we want people to accept us. And Jesus says, I already accept you completely. I know you through and through. I know every bad thing about you. If I spread your name around, it would be spread. And yet, I've decided not to condemn you, but to love you and to come to your rescue. To forgive your sins. To pay for your sins myself so that you can be beautiful in my eyes and loved by me. And if I accept you, you don't have to be desperate for everybody else to accept you. If you've got my smile on you, you don't have to have anybody else's smile Desperately, You don't have to. You need a job, so you lie on your resume. And you go to Jesus and you say, you've promised to be my provider and I don't believe it. I don't trust you. Would you convince me, help me to trust that you're going to take care of me if I tell the truth? Uh, that I'm safe if you decided to take care of me. I don't have to take care of myself. I don't have to control the world through spin and manipulation and lying. If you love money, uh, you'll lie for money, right? You'll lie for money. Uh, I don't want to be culpable by admitting a mistake. Uh, I don't want to mention anything bad I've done, take responsibility for anything I've done poorly at my job because I love money too much to endanger it. If you are uh, enslaved to sex, then you'll lie either to manipulate people to have sex with you or to hide your shame. Uh, but the underlying sin is the idolatry, right? I think maybe mostly we lie to cover our shame you know, I don't want people to know what's really true about me I'm ashamed of myself I'm trying to not I'm trying to lie to myself about who I really am but Jesus came to deliver us from our shame you know he did he and he did it by enduring shame for us and coming to our rescue what did he endure he endured people uh, spreading his name around and saying things that weren't true about him They said he was a false prophet. The angels say he's the true and faithful witness, the amen. But he had to let people say he's a false prophet and talk about him behind his back in order to come to our rescue. He had to have his reputation ruined for our sakes. He was slandered for us. He endured the the shameful indignities of the cross for us. Crucified naked between two thieves. Then, as now, when people see someone uh, under the thumb of justice, they assume that they're a guilty and evil person, right? And they walked by and thought this of him and said this of him and mocked him. And he endured this shame in order to cover your shame. Because all the things anyone could say about you to ruin your reputation, whether false or true, and there's plenty true about all of us that could be spread that would ruin our reputations, All of those things are things that Jesus has looked square in the face and said, I'm going to deliver you from your shame. Uh, True or not, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new life with me. I'm going to give you a new history from now going forward where you're clean with me. And where you're going to become a person who is admirable, who uh, rightly bears the glory of being a human being. Whose shame is covered and taken away finally because of what Jesus has done for you. And it's easy on one hand to say you shouldn't lie because lying's wrong and you might get caught. But the Christian answer and hope is so much deeper than that. The Christian answer is that when you're secure in Jesus, he covers your shame to the extent that you don't have to lie anymore. Now let's pray together.